Hello and welcome to Rando Rob. Each week on Rando Rob, I'll be showing and discussing one item from my large collection of collections. New shows appear every Monday and throughout the week, I'll be adding older episodes of Rando Rob that were previously only available to my Patreon subscribers. You can watch episodes of Rando Rob on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. Just look for the Rando Rob playlist. Audio versions of the show are available on my website at podcast.robohara.com or through iTunes. Just search for Rando Rob. Thanks for watching or listening, and I hope you enjoy this vintage episode of Rando Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Rando Rob. Uh, if you refresh your podcatcher from last night, you will see that last night I released a new episode of You Don't Know Flack. It was about my first job at the concession stand. It's a uh, kind of a nostalgic trip for me and, and uh, a uh, some memories that I wanted to revisit. So I hope that you enjoy uh, the stories associated with uh, the concession stand, again, the first job I ever had from uh, when I was 14 until when I was uh, about 16. So anyway, I uh, hope everybody is having uh, a good week. It is the middle of November and fall has arrived. I think over the past uh, 24 hours, winter has arrived. We uh, were expecting... Uh, two to four inches of snow, but, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get it. It looks like it's just going to miss, uh, the Oklahoma city metro area. So, um, but, uh, it, it's, uh, been in the, the forties, uh, it's been in the thirties. So it feels like winter is here. I don't know if it'll bounce back and, and we'll get a little bit more fall before the end of the year, but, uh, uh, summer is definitely on. <laughs> we went from, uh, a short fall right into uh, winter, it feels like. So, uh, this week on Randall Rob, I wanted to show uh, one of my old computers. I have a lot of old computers. Uh, I used to have a long time ago on the on the stream and on the video. I used to have uh, shelves back there before I had those toppers. Remember, I had um, some old computers and video game stuff on display up there, but it's all been overtaken by uh, Star Wars stuff. But uh, I used to have some computers uh, on display up there, and uh, I don't remember if this is one that I had. It must have been. It must have been one that I had up there. Um, but this is a computer I'm not an expert on, uh, but uh, uh, it's a computer that I desperately wanted as a kid, and then once I owned it, I was never quite sure why. It is, I think, the coolest-looking computer that I own, uh, in my collection. And this is it. It is the Commodore 16. So if you, uh, are familiar, I'm assuming you are with the Commodore 64, you know, the shape, uh, this case is not identical to the Commodore 64, but it's very, very similar. Uh, the key layout is not identical to the Commodore 64, but it's very, very similar. And the guts of this thing are not similar to the Commodore 64 at all. I'm going to hold this up so you can see um, the keys and the layout. You will see definitely some familiar things like those function keys and uh, uh, things. But you'll see some uh, different things. You notice the uh, arrow keys that are normally down there are not there. Uh, you'll see up there at the top, 
There's an escape key. Uh, so, so there's some differences. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of these differences uh, as we go along. So first of all, I found out about the Commodore 16 uh, in a um, an, an issue of Inter Magazine, which was the computer magazine put out by the Children's Television Workshop. Uh, it was uh, uh, a very small article. It said Commodore is coming out with a new computer, and it had a picture of this thing. And I thought this was the coolest looking computer of all time. Uh, computers from uh, the TRS-80 we had was kind of that space gray color, but everything since then, uh, you know, had just been kind of this. I mean, Apple was that beige color and. Uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem like a lot of them were very interesting. You know, the, the Commodore, of course, was um, uh, the Commodore beige or Commodore brown. And then uh, you had the 128 and stuff that was kind of that lighter. I don't know. Everything just kind of seemed to be the same color. Our Franklin Ace was that that uh, tan color or the uh, uh, off-white, you know. And so seeing this in a magazine... I'm trying to get a cool angle of it. I guess it would be more like this. It was kind of pictured like this in the magazine, you know. Um, it just looks so awesome. It looks so cool. A black Commodore 64 uh, with gray keys. How cool is that? So let's talk a little bit about the Commodore 16. I am not an expert on the Commodore 16. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that I don't get any major plot points here wrong. But um, from, from what I recall, uh, Jack Trammell who was uh, head of Commodore at the time, was deathly afraid of uh, the Japanese market. The Japanese uh, video game market uh, was starting to move in for video game sales. There were a lot of uh, uh, foreign uh, companies that were making games, or we were about to see the uh, introduction of uh, Nintendo and and uh, a lot of things like that. So uh, what Jack Trammell was afraid of was that uh, the same thing was going to happen to the home computer market. And they were going to lose uh, market share to Japanese computers. Uh, at that same time, he was uh, you had this new market of uh, inexpensive computers like, uh, I always, I mostly compare it to uh, the TI, Texas Instruments, the TI-99, uh, 4A, um, but also uh, I think Mattel uh, was in the market a little bit, but it was those those uh, entry-level cheap computers. And that's what Jack Trammell uh, felt like the Commodore 64 was not able to compete with. Now, what's funny is um, these computers, I mean, a TI, I don't know, I don't remember what it sold for originally, $100, $150, I'm, that's a guess, but um, a used Commodore 64 would have been that price or cheaper. So it just didn't seem like a market that was infringing on the Commodore 64. It, it is literally amazing to me how Commodore made some of the best computers of the 80s uh, under some of the worst leadership. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. And uh, if you're a fan of the Amiga, I'm, I'm not telling you anything. You you already know the pains of, of Commodore and some of their business decisions. But anyway... Um, so Jack Trammell was really worried, uh, that, um, 
TI and, and all these other companies were going to cut into Commodore 64's market share and Japanese computers were going to cut into Commodore's market share. And so uh, the VIC-20 was um, old at this point in time. I mean, relatively old. And so this looks like a Commodore 64, um, but also if you think about it, it looks like a VIC-20, and this is really more compatible with a VIC-20 than it is um, comparable to a Commodore 64. Uh, so first of all, there was another computer, and I'm going to go grab it. This, this dusty thing is the Commodore Plus 4. So... There's a weird thing when you think about Commodore's uh, marketing, which is this seems like a little cheap kind of computer. That's what it evokes, uh, invokes in me. And this looks like a big uh, Commodore 64 compatible computer. That's what it looks like to me. But they're the opposite. This is actually <laughs> um, more powerful than this. So, you know what? I'll just talk about this briefly. My shirt is covered in dust. I just pulled these out of the closet. <laughs> um, the Commodore Plus 4, uh, I believe has 64K. It is not compatible with the Commodore 64. Um, it has its own graphic and sound chip. So the only advantage to this, I would think, is that it has um, it has more colors. And I think it has 121 colors, uh, this chip. Um, and it has similar ports uh, to the Commodore 64, but not identical. And I'll show you, for example... Um, those two round things are joystick ports. That's a power supply. And then you've got, uh, I believe, a user port, a uh, cartridge port. and um, But it's got, I mean, it's just weird, weird looking ports. And things aren't where you expect them. <laughs> uh, there's an RF out. Uh, and on this side, you have this weird power button. Uh this little reset thing. And it's just a weird thing. Um, so when they said plus four, um, the reason it's called the plus four is because it has uh, four built-in programs. I think it's three, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, uh, productivity programs, kind of like a spreadsheet and a word processor and stuff. Uh, and you have these little arrow keys uh, this and that. So the thing is, when you, when you release two models, two different computers, and the one number is higher than the other, uh, like if you said, oh, there's a Nintendo, which is 8-bit, and Super Nintendo, which is 16-bit, you go, oh, well, I bet the Super Nintendo is better. So Commodore released two computers, this, which is the plus four, and then this, which is the Commodore 16. So it makes me think this is four times better, but it's not. Um, the uh, I'm going to sneeze because I got so much dust in the air from pulling these out. 
Um, the uh, the show's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> so, the Commodore Plus Four has, I believe, sixty four k of RAM. I think that's right. This. The C16 has 16K of RAM. And just like Commodore's other computers, uh, I believe four of it is taken up with basic. So when you turn it on, you have 12K of RAM uh, to deal with. Now, uh, to get around that, uh, Commodore added this port designed for a memory uh, expansion. But then they didn't release uh, memory expansion. <laughs> adapter there were third party ones and you could buy the third party one uh and then boost this up to 64k which makes it compatible more or less with the well it does makes it almost identical uh to the uh plus four it just doesn't have the built-in uh programs uh you'll notice that uh there is a uh, tape adapter on the back but it is different than the data set uh adapter that is built into the um, uh, Commodore 64. So uh, you can't, uh, you had to buy an adapter. And the data set is exactly the same. It just has a different adapter. So you had to, you could buy, you could use an old Commodore uh, data set with an adapter hooked up to this thing. Uh, it's just like they, they went through and um, single-handedly changed all the stuff that made the Commodore 64 great. Um you know, when, when you talk about the Commodore 128, um, almost everybody I knew who turned on their Commodore 128 had it turn on into 64 mode and played Commodore 64 games. Uh, and that was the beauty of it. The, the 128 had additional features, you know, if you wanted to do business software or 80-column uh, word processing, it could do those things. But it could run the Commodore 64's entire library. So that's what made it great. This is a computer that looks like a Commodore 64 and can't run any Commodore 64 games. What a terrible decision. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible uh, design thing. So, I mean, the, the thing is, is that this is really, like I said, um, not an updated Commodore 64. This is a, an updated, more or less, VIC-20. Uh, so... I don't really know what else to say about this thing. Um, I thought this was the coolest thing I had ever seen in that magazine ad. And, um, you know, there are a few good games on this. I, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, it was a very, very small commercial library. And I don't know if there are um, games that are unique to this system that don't appear on the Commodore 64 uh, it has a not as good sound chip. Basically, I think they tried to cram everything they could on one chip to, um, uh, reduce the cost. Um, it also does not have hardware sprite capability, which is one of the things that made the Commodore 64, uh, such a popular system to program games on. It doesn't support sprites. So, um, I mean, just every single thing and down to the point where, like I mentioned, those are uh, the joystick ports. So you can't use Atari, 9, you know, DB9 joysticks on this thing. It was just like like every single thing that made the Commodore 64 convenient and great, uh, they stripped out of this. Uh, 
Now, how did this fare against uh, the competition as far as the TI-99, the Mattel, those other systems? Uh, they were all off the market by the time this came out, so it didn't matter. There was no competition. And what about all the Japanese uh, computers that were supposed to come in and take over the market? They never came. So this had, this is a computer to compete that was released by Commodore. Well, uh, not only all those things, let me throw in the one big bombshell. Uh, Jack Trammell left the company before this was released. So he pushed for this thing to compete in a market that didn't exist, that nobody wanted, uh, at a price point that really, I mean, this is 1984, this is $99. I mean, I'm sure by 1985 you could get a Commodore for $100. So, um, I mean, they released something that's way worse than the Commodore 64 designed to compete with the Commodore 64. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't get Jack. What were you doing? Um, so, uh, I never met anybody that owned one of these. I never met anybody that owned a plus four. Like I've, I mean, I'm sure I know they sold, they had to have sold models. Uh, they're listed on Wikipedia as selling uh, terribly, but so somebody bought them. But, uh, I mean, if you think about like in 1985, you got the Amiga, uh, so Commodore 64s were cheap, uh, or cheaper, you know? Um, and so to put out something that competed with the VIC 20 in a market with nothing to compete, I mean, it's closest competitor was the Commodore 64. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, the best thing I can say about this computer is, uh, and I try to find stuff that I, you know, appreciated all computers and stuff. Um, but, uh. I mean, the best thing you could say about this thing is that it looks great on a shelf. Looks great when you display it. Um, the uh, keyboard here is not a, uh, because the different keys, uh, is not a direct uh, compatible replacement with the Commodore 64. But uh, these keycaps are uh, not identical, but um, you can see that the uh, they do have the... Uh, um, pet ASCII or Petsky, uh, graphics on the front of them. And so you could literally just pop these off and put them on a Commodore 64. Now you wouldn't want to do that. Like with the escape key or the keys, like the arrow keys that are different down here, you wouldn't want to do any of that, but, uh, for the keys that are compatible, you can. And so that's what I did. I'm sure I've so shown my, uh, original Commodore 64, but it has, um, brown keys around the edge and then all the, uh, QWERTY, the letter keys are a light gray color, and they came from a um, uh, Commodore 16 keyboard. When uh, Commodore went out of business, they had made uh, lots and lots of replacement parts for these, and the keyboards uh, all went to Radio Shack, and you could go buy them for $5, just the keyboard itself. And so uh, my friends and I went and bought the keyboards and then popped all the keys off and put them on our 64s. Um, but yeah, hardware-wise, uh, I mean, there's no... Uh, uh, user port, you know, there's no, uh, just all the stuff that made the Commodore 64 great and expandable. And, you know, you could, everybody, every kid in the eighties had access to an Atari joystick. Either you had some out in a garage or under your, your TV, um, stand or neighbor had old Atari joysticks, or you'd see about a garage sale for a quarter. And, uh, so nobody ever was lacking for Commodore joysticks until they put this stupid thing out. Nobody's ever seen 
Like, where are you going to get that? Nowhere. <laughs> just, it makes me mad because um, uh, Commodore Commodore 64 is so great, such a wonderful computer. And um, it it's I, I know this isn't a, a, I don't have a business mind like this. But if you put out, like, I'm going to say the greatest 8-bit computer. That's debatable, but whatever. You put out the greatest 8-bit computer, and then from a business standpoint, I think they're always saying, what what can we put out next? But nobody wanted what was next. You just keep putting that out, you know? Um, you imagine if they'd put out an Amiga that was backwards compatible with the 64, how crazy that would have been, or, um, you know, different colors, or, different, you know, just... Just go lateral a little bit. Don't jump off the deep end. I don't know. I'll show you the plus four again. So uh, both of these computers do work. I have plugged them in, powered them up, turned them on. Uh, but I haven't just haven't done that much with them. There are emulators. Actually, um, most of the... Uh, I think WinVice will run Commodore 16 stuff. Uh I'm pretty sure it will, and uh, definitely uh, other emulators and stuff will. So uh, you could check out those games or just go to YouTube. Um, I know, like, uh, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a few games out there, and, and there's a couple of demos because they do have better colors, but they don't have sprites. They don't have uh, the sound capabilities. They just don't. They're not as good as the Commodore 64, which is a, a bummer because uh, uh, they're part of my collection, and I, like I said, I love looking at them. But uh, as far as using them and stuff, they just don't have that, uh, they don't have the charm. They definitely have the looks, but they just don't have the charm of the C64. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the new episode of You Don't Know Flack. There's more stuff in the hopper. And of course, we'll be streaming uh, Wednesday night. If you didn't catch last week, we played some uh, mini golf games. And I'm not sure what we'll be doing this week yet. If you've got a suggestion, throw it in uh, the Patreon. And respond to this and uh, we'll see if we can work it in. See you guys all soon. Thanks for hanging out.